Hello, hello. This is Mike from the Circle Room, and this is the podcast Don't Want to Be Famous. Hey, just jumping in here today and just getting it going. So uh, today's subject uh, is AvGeek. Uh, so AvGeek is, uh, for those of you who are not an AvGeek and you don't know what it is, it's Aviation Geek. And so to, the easiest way to explain AvGeek, and so uh, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to airplanes and just have you know grown up with just being a huge nerd. But if you're an aviation geek, you know it. If you're not an aviation geek, uh, you probably know that too. Because whenever an airplane flies over your head, if you don't look up, you're not an AvGeek. AvGeeks always, always, always look up whenever they hear an airplane. And like a lot of times you can really distinguish uh, what type of aircraft it is pretty darn fast by just listening to the sound. Like I can tell you the difference between like Boeing 777s, whether they're Pratt powered, Pratt Whitney powered engines or like GE powered engines. Uh, I can quickly tell you that it's a uh, piston, you know, single engine aircraft versus a, a, a twin turboprop or something like that. It's just, they have some very distinct sounds and it just, it rec you recognize them so quickly. So that's what an av geek is uh, at the essence of it all. But um, they're also ones that like to pick the window seat in airplanes. Um, they always like to look out the wing and see what the wing is doing and see the airport around them because they just, they just love seeing the airplanes. AvGeeks, you know, also are ones that are debating, uh, you know, the, the AvGeeks for airliners, I should say, the big airplane guys. Uh, they're always debating the liveries on the aircraft. So they're always debating the paint job of the aircraft. Like, you know, United Airlines just refreshed theirs. Uh, a couple of, you know, Lufthansa just refreshed theirs. And they're constantly uh, arguing about uh, between each other, AvGeeks on top of AvGeeks, or just debating about, you know, what liveries look good on what model types, you know, and it's like, should, you know, should Lufthansa put their new livery on their A320 or their 787s, you know, or their, excuse me, not 787s, 747s, um, you know, or A350s. And it's always this interesting thing. Uh, there are also ones, uh, for those who don't know AvGeeks, there are also ones that like to argue, like, what airlines should fly, like what routes airlines should fly, where they where they should structure their business in a lot of cases. And, you know, when I'm saying AvGeeks here, uh, I'm an AvGeek on big commercial aircraft, not necessarily on like military ones, even though those are also very cool. Um, but the big commercial ones, the ones that you get to fly on uh, are, are, are ones that are a lot of fun in my opinion. But, you know, the AvGeeks that I'm talking about are the airline guys who are always arguing about, you know, where airlines should fly, what routes they should fly, what product, you know, they should put on those routes. Um, and they also argue when airlines uh, buy uh, airplanes and place orders for airplanes, you know, what airplanes should they be buying? You know, should they be buying Boeing? Should they be buying Airbus? Should they be buying Bombardier? Should they be buying, you know, Embraer? You know, those types of things are really, really interesting. And then also like the model types um, within each one of those airlines, you know, commonality versus, you know, trying to optimize routes. All of those are really interesting things. And then also um, one of the like the pettiest things that uh, I think AvGeeks always get into is arguing about like which you know, at the essence, which tube with wings looks the best and the worst. Uh, in my opinion, the A350 or the A380 is an ugly, ugly beast. 350 is pretty good looking. Um, and then also the 747-8 Intercontinental, uh, the passenger version of the 747, just I think the proportions of it just look like spot on. So uh, yeah, so that's an AvGeek. Like 
that they know their airplane models. They know which ones look best, which ones look worse. Um, it's just, it's really, really interesting. So today's episode is just talking about being an av geek and uh, wanted to tell you why I'm an av geek and just my experience with it and kind of what it all started and, and kind of how that passion turned into a career in some cases. Um, and so I think that's really cool. I just want to share that experience. Um, and then love to hear any feedback about other av geeks that are out there. So I could, honestly, I could create an entire podcast about just being an av geek and talking about, uh, airplanes, big airplanes, small airplanes, uh, the cool things about them, you know, the horrible things about them. Um, you know, so yeah, but I don't want to turn this, uh, this into that. I just want to, you know, spend an episode to talk about it. Um, it is a passion of mine and, uh, yeah, yeah. So this, this passion kind of all started, uh, I mentioned a little in some of the earlier episodes, I grew up just in the Chicagoland area and I always lived kind of in the pattern of Chicago hair, you know, one, typically one of the, the busiest airports domestically, if not internationally for periods of time. Um, but there's lots of really big airplanes that are always coming and going. And so my dad used to travel a lot for work. Um, and I remember back in the day when I was like a young and, uh, my mom and I, we'd go over to the airport and we would, we'd park and we'd walk in and we would like pick him up from, you know, the jetway, like right as he was walking out kind of thing. And you could, uh, you could do that back in the day with, you know, before security in a lot of cases. So I thought that was always, um, really fun. And then of course, you know, I'm plastered to the window, uh, trying to see what airplanes are coming and going and, and looking down on the ramp and things like that. So that was kind of, you know, very, very early on kind of the essence of kind of where my av geek started from. Um, but also, uh, I had a grandfather, he worked for Northrop Grumman, um, which was really cool. And I remember I'm always talking about airplanes, um, and then obviously military airplanes. And one of the programs that he worked on, one of the things that he gave me, um, was a pin, uh, from the first flight of the B2 bomber. So the B2 bomber, uh, like, two billion dollar a piece aircraft which is absolutely insane um but he was you know he would give me uh, or he gave me a pin that flew on the first flight of the b2 who knows when the first flight of the b2 was it was definitely a top secret flight at that point um but really cool that he was able to share something like that with me and, and that kind of like sparked my passion and interest in um in aviation. And I was just like, man, that's really cool. I want to go work on airplanes when I get older. And then, so my grandfather, he, he worked for Northrop Grumman and he did a lot of customer interactions, uh, with some of the big military defense customers. Uh, one of them being Saudi Arabia. So back in the day, uh, the U S air force, uh, sold F-15s to Saudi Arabia. And my grandfather was like an instructor on, on avionics. And so he would share or he would teach these guys from Saudi Arabia. And basically it ended up being like princes of Saudi Arabia because they were cool and they wanted to fly F-15s and they had the power probably. Um, so they were able to pick up um, what uh, airplanes they wanted to fly and then they would get trained on them, even though they probably weren't qualified at all. But anyways, so these guys would come over and I'm like in junior high time frame, they'd come over to the States. My grandfather would teach them and then he'd also like have to like wine and dine them kind of thing. And uh, I remember being like interacting with some of these guys at some of these wine and dine events, you know, like Michael Jordan Steakhouse and Lou Malnati's and, and places like that. Um, and, and so, you know, they'd always talk about flying and some of the crazy ass stories that they would have flying F-15s over in Saudi Arabia. I mean, I can make a whole show on, on some of the stuff I remember them telling me. Um, but you know, just listening to them talk, I was just like, oh, that's so cool. Um, and, and you know, so I was able to like really kind of get excited about aviation and those sorts of things. Uh, and, and then of course, you know, my grandfather also took me to the Chicago air and water show. Uh, I got to see a B2 flyover, you know, the blue angels, uh, were always super huge. And like, I vividly remember, uh, like, 
you know, you, you, defi- you think about these like defining moments in life that you vividly remember, but I remember cutting the grass in my house and, uh, it was, it was, it must've been like a Friday or something like that before the Chicago air and water show, um, probably late nineties, early two thousands. And there was an F 15 that screamed like right over the top of my house as I'm cutting the grass. And I was just like, Holy cow, that is super cool. Super cool. Um, and so you see those types of things and you just get excited about aviation. Uh, and then in, um, so that, you know, so then I'm super excited about aviation, uh, coming out of high school, I was like, you know what? I want to be an engineer. I'm like, I want to be an aerospace engineer. Uh, but at that point, uh, I had an uncle who was a mechanical engineer and, and I talked to him and try to get advice and try to think like, what's good, what's not bad, what's, what's good about certain realms of aviation or certain, uh, disciplines of aviation and what's not good about other certain disciplines of aviation. And so my uncle was a mechanical engineer. He said, you know what? Be a mechanical engineer. You can always work in the aerospace companies. Um, but you know what, what if times ever get tough because aerospace is very cyclical in, in a lot of cases, uh, make sure to, uh, have a, a Mechie degree because then you could go work on a truck if you need to. And in order to feed the family. And I was like, that's actually really good advice. So anyways, I, I was mechanical engineer, but, uh, uh, always pursued like aviation classes uh, as like uh, general elective or not general electives, but uh, engineering electives while I was there. And, and so did a lot of things like that. Um, and then uh, it was time to car- start like finding internships and co-ops. And eventually I made my way into kind of like a tier two aerospace supplier, big, you know, big aerospace company doesn't do airplanes, but does a lot of stuff that supports airplanes. Um, so I was able to start working there and I was like, oh, cool. I work on like this component, this fuel control that eventually works its way into a turbine engine, which eventually works its way onto, you know, uh, a turboprop aircraft. Um, and so that was really cool. And that was a lot of fun. So um, it was a good learning experience kind of early on in my career. But one of the really cool things about all of that is um, uh, when I was co-oping and working really hard at the aero company, I, you know, I was making a couple of bucks and I was actually able to go get my private pilot's license. And so that just, you know, it, it was just, it's the most impractical thing ever, especially in like the early 2000s when aviation jobs, you know, and flying jobs are really, really tough to come by. And, you know, being coming a private pilot is kind of expensive to get into. It's not very practical unless you uh, are just rich and have a lot of money uh, or, you know, you want to go become an airline kind of guy or become a professional pilot. Uh, so got a private pilot's license, but I haven't flown a ton. Uh, It's just really, really tough to, uh, to, to keep doing that on a regular basis, uh, especially when you're married with kids and, you know, you've got other financial goals in life. But anyways, um, you know, so I was doing all of that. And then at the end of school, um, you know, I had this very defining moment uh, in my life and in my career where I remember, you know, it's like money versus passion. And this is always something that it's, it's this really interesting, debatable thing. And especially when you talk with like, you know, kids coming right out of school, they're super aggressive. They're like, I'm going to go be CEO. I'm going to go run the company. I'm going to do all these really cool things. And that's great. I, I'm glad that those folks have that passion. Uh, and I really want them to have that passion. But I still remember like this super defining moment in my life where, um, you know, I, I had worked for the aerospace companies through internships and stuff like that. And, uh, it came down to, uh, I went on an interview fall of my senior year down to Houston, Texas. Um, and it was for a giant oil company. Um, they, they interviewed me, they offered me a job right there on the spot. They offered me a whole bunch of money that went with it. Um, and then, you know, I remember at that point I was, they put me back in a limousine 
uh, to drive me back to Houston Intercontinental Airport at that point. And I remember like being in the limo all by myself. At this point, you know, you're 21, 22 years old. You think you're on the top of the world. You're in a suit, in a limo, right? You just got a job offer for, for a boatload of money. Um, and then, you know, you, you're pulling up to the airport and you see a row of at that time Continental um, Boeing 777s parked out there on the ramp. And they're just all lined up. And like you can look at their tails and you can look at the little razor blades on their tails. And you can just be like, man, those are really cool big airplanes. And then you start wondering like, where are they going? Where are they flying? Like, what are they doing? Um, you know, like it was endless, like the amount of places that those, those airplanes were going to go. And so I just thought that was really cool. And, and so at that point I was able to, uh, I had another offer from a large aerospace company in the Pacific Northwest in the United States. And I really like, and it wasn't for as much money as the, the giant oil and gas company, um, that was based there in Houston was. And so that, uh, was a really defining moment in my life because I chose to go into the aerospace route. And that was, and I chose to go join the aerospace company for less money than um, what the oil company was going to give me. And at first, I was a little nervous about it, a little scared, you know, because it's like, hey, I had some student debt, you know, at that point in my life that I need to go pay off. But uh, it was uh, it was good because, you know, I, I realized that I was following a passion, and you need to you need to follow passions in life, and um, you know, that's just really good energy to go follow out there, you know, chasing dollars. Um, money's important unless you don't have any, um, or money isn't important unless you don't have any and, and money has its place in the world, but you cannot just be solely driven from money in my opinion, because I think you'll end up, um, at the end of life, just not being where you want to be. Um, you know, because you think about how much time and energy you spend, uh, getting out of bed every day and then getting to work and, and doing, you know, the, the quote unquote grinds and stuff like that. You need, you need to have a passion of some sort. So, um, so anyways, I, I took this job in the Pacific Northwest, uh, huge aerospace company went out there, turned out really, 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 really well. Um, and I thought that was really cool because, um, you know, I was able to jump into a program at that point in my career that was super chaotic and I was thrown into situations that are way above my head. Um, but you know what, when you have a passion for something, uh, you, you learn to, to bring that extra energy to work and you learn to be extra motivated to go do something because you realize it's more than just a paycheck at some point. Um, you get super excited about kind of what you're doing, um, and, and just kind of why you, why you're there kind of thing. You know, I look back on my career so far and it's been like 12 ish years of, of working and I'm kind of like almost 13 years of working and you're just kind of like, you want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're doing something that you enjoy because you spend so much of your life doing, uh, work and seeing people at work and things that you're working on. And in the United States, at least it's really interesting how much of your identity is associated with your career in a lot of cases. And, and maybe even some of your self-worth, like internal self-worth can be, uh, associated with your career. And so, um, I think it's important to, to follow a passion to a point. Uh, you need to make sure that you, uh, you know, you can feed the family and things like that. But I think there are lots of ways to take the passion of, of, of hobbies and, um, and turn that into, you know, turn that into income and turn that into a, a livable wage, hopefully in a lot of cases, but, um, little career advice, um, to kind of segue just a little bit. I, I remember like getting an offer to go start on this program in the Pacific Northwest. And I just knew it was just totally screwed up, like totally screwed up. Um, and just a giant mess and way behind schedule and all that stuff. Um, and that was like super nervous and nerve wracking right at the, right at the moment. Like when you're fresh out of school and you think like, oh man, I want to go in something established so I can learn. But if for anyone that's like 
trying to figure out what they want to do and they're nervous about jumping into like a busy, chaotic, crazy situation. Um, but someone that's motivated to want to like move up in the world, I would highly, highly, highly recommend to jump into that crazy, chaotic situation. You typically are thrown into things that are way above your pay grade and way above your experience level. Um, and when you're doing it, it's horribly painful and stressful and it hurts a ton while you're doing it. But you know what? Uh, it's really good for your career and it's really good for you as a person uh, overall. So I would highly recommend to do things um, like that it, because if you have some passion with it, uh, you'll drive through it and you'll end up having uh, you know, a lot of really good answers to interview questions later on in life as well. And as someone who's just doing a lot of hiring, that's kind of, you know, those are important things, but, um, you get, you get to do some really cool things. You get to do some really cool projects, uh, that you wouldn't have done if you just joined some boring company designing toasters or something like that. So, uh, I'd highly recommend that. So, um, but my life, um, you know, I, I, I took the, I took my passion and I took it to, uh, an absolute like extreme in a lot of cases. Uh, so, uh, I was able to go and become a flight test engineer at this company. And so I was able to literally um, fly around on the airplanes I was working on. And that was super cool. It gave me an opportunity as someone who hadn't traveled a ton, gave me the opportunity to go and travel the world and go to some crazy ass places I'd never go to otherwise. I spent a lot of time in the high desert in Southern California, uh, Victorville, California. If anyone knows where that is, not a place where you want to go spend a ton of time, but I spent a ton of time there. Uh, ate at the Outback way too much. Um, but, you know, those are all really cool experiences. Then I was able to go to Paris. I was able to go to Puerto Rico. I was able to go to Iceland. I was able to go to Bolivia. I was able to go to like Bolivia and Iceland were places I never probably would have gone to or even thought about going to uh, until I, I went there. Bolivia, eh, it was kind of interesting, but don't need to go back. Iceland, uh, I've been back twice since. So I've been to Iceland three times total. It's the most amazing place on the earth. I would, oh, it's so cool. So um, I, I, I also was able to go and it turned into an expat assignment. I was able to live in Southern Italy uh, for about a year and a half with my wife and my son. And then, you know, it just, you know, when you follow your passion and I did some of this stuff, I was able to kind of like knock off a life goal of flying a big, huge commercial airliner. And so I did it, you know, for like five minutes, I sat left seat and I was able to fly uh, a giant 787 aircraft. Um, but that was you know, it was, it was a life altering experience in a lot of cases. It seems kind of silly, but it was just like, it cements like why you work so hard to, you know, do all this stuff. And you're able to, uh, able to have some really, these really cool experiences of flying an airplane, living in Italy, going to these different parts of the world you never go to otherwise. And it just makes for an interesting life story, you know, when you go back and you look at it. And so, um, I don't know, it's one of those weird things that motivates me. I want to make sure that I'm always, um, interested, uh, or interesting, I should say to people like, yeah, I don't know. I have this weird thing that like when I meet people at a party, I just, I want to come off as interesting and like, uh, I'm a social introvert. Um, um, it, but I, I want to, you know, always work hard to have good conversation and to be fun. Uh, but then also to like have cool life events and life stories, you know, and not just be the guy that showed up at a CPA firm and punched in and out, you know, for 80 hours a week for, you know, 40 years straight kind of thing. And it's like, well, so that just sounds really boring to me, but, uh, I want to be the guy who's uh, passionate about his job. Um, and, uh, um, also just interesting. Like I just want to be interesting. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Anyway, sorry. 
side side tangent. Um, so, and then you know, my passion continued to grow um, while I was there, and uh, I mentioned some of the other pods that I wanted to come back to the Chicagoland area. And um, I know I'm talking a lot about myself, but you know, I was able to to take that passion and roll that into the next job. Uh, and, uh, now work for a big aerospace company in the Chicagoland area. And that's super fun. Um, and, uh, you know, so you kind of help, you know, your passion helps you succeed at work, uh, at least in my situation. And so I thought that was good. And, uh, I was able to, to take that and, and be able to do things with that passion, um, that I wouldn't probably have been able to do otherwise. Um, I think is, is one that hires and the one that's trying to be hired in some cases, you know, if you can show passion in what you want to do more than, you know, Hey, I want this job because I need a paycheck every two weeks and I need health insurance. Like you, uh, it shows a lot, you know, and, and I think that can carry you quite a long way. So, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, just going back to being an av geek, um, you know, I talk about how that's really good for my career and you can hear an airplane in the background. I think that's what that sound is. But anyways, um, you know, it's really good for careers, um, but it's also can be really tough for careers at some point as well. So, um, when you're, when you're, um, uh, when your hobby is also your career and like you have just a really hard, really crappy day at work, uh, you come home and you're like, the last thing I want to do is think about airplanes, but then you're like torn because like the first thing you want to do when you're an av geek is think about airplanes. Um, and you want to like figure out what airplane is flying over your head right at the moment, uh, on, you know, flight radar 24, uh, and you want to see where it's going and, in and what type of aircraft it is and what's making that noise. Um, but you know, you, sometimes it's, it's the good and the bad kind of tearing at each other a little bit, uh, when you have those crappy days at work and everybody's got a crappy day at work. So it's kind of sometimes hard to distinguish between the two. But, um, one of the things that I do do, uh, to help distinguish between the two is I try to get my kids into airplanes as well. And I'm, uh, I am probably a little evil when it comes to that. I'm, I'm sure I've brainwashed my son to be a little av geek as well. Um, you know, you buy them Legos that are of airplanes and you give them posters that are of airplanes and then you take them to go, um, you know, you go over by O'Hare and you look at where they're shooting their final approaches. And there's like this little machine shop on the West side of O'Hare where you can sit in the parking lot and these airplanes will come over your head at like 200 feet. And so that are shooting approaches, um, westbound or excuse me, from the West to the East into O'Hare. And, uh, it's really fun to see. And I pull out my phone and I pull up flight radar 24 and I see like all the planes led in the pattern. And I try to find the wide bodies and say like, Oh, here's going to be a super cool, you know, big airplane coming in next and talk it up. And, you know, meanwhile, we're sitting there like eating sandwiches sitting in the back of the car, watching big airplanes come overhead. So really kind of cool. So, um, that's that, like, that's the essence of being like an av geek parent in a lot of cases is like you, um, you, you get your kids involved with it as well. So, um, so the other really cool thing that like, uh, being an av geek, you kind of turn this like big passion into like going and flying on the airplanes and like flying like the really cool, interesting routes. Um, and so, uh, that turns into kind of a love for travel in a lot of cases. And so it's been great that I've been able to turn my, my av geekness into a love for travel. And like, even though they, some people might think they're the same. They're very different in a lot of cases. Uh, I plan to do a whole episode about just traveling and just being a travel geek. Um, I love to travel, but, um, you know, like you can go and, and you can travel and you can play on airplanes and, and go long distances and stuff like that. Um, but it's, uh, it's really cool. Like traveling is really cool. 
Uh, it, it combines av geekness. Um, I mean, obviously that's the ens- essence of airplanes is to travel. Um, but I think traveling is really cool. I can completely argue that um, airliners are, are are horrible polluters in a lot of cases, and, and I think that's well documented. But um, they also do a lot of really great things for the world and at a cultural level. Um, I could completely argue that airlines in general uh, bring about world peace, you know, and it seems like a big statement, but uh, <clears throat> I think that's really true in a lot of cases because you you end up being able to go to different parts of the world that you wouldn't be able to go to other otherwise without um, without without an airline in in airliners. Um, so I say that it brings world peace because you can't go to these other parts of the world without an airline. Because when you go to those other parts of the world, you see cultures mixed together. You physically mix cultures together. And what that does in a lot of cases, uh, it allows you to realize like the stereotypes that you see on the internet and in like news medias and like the simple little bad things that happen in countries of like millions of people, like that doesn't define countries. And so when you're physically able to go to a different country, um, that might be shown as negative in the views of Americans in a lot of cases, um, you walk around and you go, you know what, there might be some bad actors here, but probably 99% of this country is really good people. Um, and, and so when you think about it like that, you know, you don't get riled up by, um, you know, the, the 1% or that half a percent or the, the half a percent of a half a percent that you see, uh, in the news and things like that. So you, you just, you get a different appreciation for the world, um, and everything like that. So, um, in, in the, all the different people in the world. Plus you get to see cool things, cool architecture, uh, great pieces of nature. Um, you know, if you're ever in, if you're ever in Iceland, go see like the falls, like golf S falls and like the, um, the volcanic circle, I forget what it's called, right? The circle of fire. Like that's just all really cool stuff. Um, yeah. So, um, but being an av geek, you know, you, I don't know, just going back to like the things that you do when you're an av geek, you know, you, you, you get that window seat on the airplane whenever possible. Um, you sit around and you watch airplane videos on YouTube. Like you just watch people shoot approaches into like cool airports on YouTube. And like they have a GoPro in the camera or in the flight deck. Um, it's just kind of fun to watch. And then I sit there and I go on like websites, um, uh, Sky Vector and stuff like that. And you, you, you plan flight routes. Uh, you see like, oh, like how far are these two airports located from each other? And like, could you uh, could you route an aircraft on this route kind of thing? Um, you go on controller.com and you look for like jets that are for sale for like $14 million and you go like, Hmm, I probably won't ever be able to afford one of those, but boy, would that be cool? That would be fun to go fly around in. And then you try to find some lower end aircraft that you might be able to pull off and then realize they only go like 80 knots at a time. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And then like you talk to your other friends that are av geeks, you know, you're arguing about like all the other stuff I was talking about earlier, but, um, you know, I have one friend, he literally like, he, he flies flight simulators like across the Atlantic ocean in real time, meaning that like he will fly like Newark, London, or New York, London, uh, on a triple seven. And like, he'll fly the whole thing, like real time, all seven hours or whatever it is, um, like on his flight simulator and like, he'll set it up. He'll like, you know, taxi out, take off, put it in autopilot, you know, fly the flight path across the Atlantic and then like, you know, go to bed and then wake up in the morning and then come down and like land it, you know, in London kind of thing. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. 
Um, a lot of people don't understand that. Like, why would you spend, you know, seven hours playing a flight simulator game and like sleep in between? But, you know, I don't know. Some people find it relaxing. And then um, last year I was able to go to Oshkosh, um, the world's largest air show, the world's busiest airport, all those crazy things. So much fun to see some of the big airplanes. Um, and that was just um, – it's just super cool. Like airplane overload in a lot of cases. And, uh, I, I was able to get some good friends and drag them with me and we were able to go up and have a good time. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, wish we could do it again soon. And, um, but you know, those are the, those are the things that av geeks do, you know, so you just look at airplanes and talk about airplanes and go see airplanes and vacation with airplanes. And so anyways, um, I, I hope to continue to do more of it, uh, in the future, but, um, uh, so just kind of kind of some closing advice, you know, it sounds cliche, but, you know, follow a passion. Uh, AvGeek is being a passion of mine, a uh, passion to always look up in the sky when I hear an airplane fly over, and I think that's really cool. But that passion um, is a driver to get you out of bed each morning and uh, gives a lot more meaning to life in a lot of cases. So it gives you gives you something to go after. And, and you know, when you have those crappy days at work and you want to come home and kick the dog, uh, it gives you gives you a, uh, gives you a little more meaning to why you're going through all that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, send me some voice messages. Love to hear about your opinions about that. And, uh, like I said, I could make a whole, a whole series out of just being an av geek, uh, and all the silly things that I've done, but, uh, yeah, I just kind of want to talk about it at a high level. So, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to publish, I'm going to throw it out there and, uh, I appreciate you coming to don't want to be famous. Mm-hmm.